1: Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio.
0: Lots happening in the world right now, especially the war over gender. California is one of the many focal points with regard to the battle over gender. Do you know, I'm sure you have heard, that they're trying to take children away from parents in California if you do not bend over to the pro-transgender ideology that is attacking children today. I'll share with you a little bit about the dispute over that in California going through the state legislator in just a little bit because it's important as things happen in California, there goes the rest of the country, but it's not just in California. It's across the country that we are seeing this claiming of the transgender movement of children of your children. I hear from you parents that this is what's happening. And it's true. Kids are being brainwashed by ideologies today. So we'll talk about that and more today on Trending. Joining me in just a moment will be Hugh Brown, the executive vice president from American Life League versus viciously fighting for human life and especially with everything from having founded schools being a football coach he gets the battle that we are in the midst of right now and there was an interesting study that recently came out having to do with the decline in christianity and the central role of fathers and how fathers are missing i was actually just looking at a viral video That went around the internet. It was actually from last year in November, where the couple, Hollywood couple, you probably know of them, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. Uh Ryan Reynolds was actually receiving an award back in November, and his wife, Blake Lively, was giving that award speech. And she gave the most endearing commentary, speaking to What a great father her husband is and how central he is in the home. I want you to give this a listen and we're going to talk a little bit about this in relation to what's happening with decline Christianity
2: and fatherhood. I am his home and our girls are his home. And just like that 19-year-old boy, he races home. Whether it's from across the globe or a meeting across the street, he is hardwired to get home. If he came home from set not in his wardrobe, we would be very concerned. Soaked in mud, fake blood, real blood, prosthetic scars, superhero suits, tap shoes, or clown makeup, daddy always comes home. And that man races back to his real life like nothing I have ever seen. Especially not by someone who's able to be so all-in in in his work life. He's able to somehow be everything to everyone all at once. He's the most present person you will ever meet. And yes, he creates magic in his work. But man, oh man, does he create magic in his real life. And my girlies, they know what I'm talking about. Hi, JJ. (laughs) Home is where his heart is. Which is why he gives so much of his heart back to his home.
0: That's Blake Lively giving the award speech to her husband back in November. Her husband's Ryan Reynolds. This is a Hollywood couple. And this happened again back in November, but I'm just seeing it now. It's making its rounds again online. Why? Well, because we tend to look to Hollywood couples and what they do and don't do. And I love it that this is circulating. Why is it circulating? Because it highlights the significance of a husband and a father within the family. Did you hear what Blake Lively said? She said that her husband comes running home as quick as he can, wherever he can, even often in his wardrobe, in order to be with his children at the end of the day. And she made a really important statement here. She said, daddy always comes home. That's the confidence that every American, every child, every American child, every child across the globe needs to have. Daddy always comes home. And daddy's fighting to come home and be with you. Not to come home and check out, not home and to recover, to come home and be with you and that's significant. I know people are going to say, oh, that's privileged speaking. No, this is the role of the father. No matter what your circumstances, do your children know that you always come home as a father? Did you know as a child that your father always came home? I think the reason why this clip is circulating the internet yet again is because it speaks to how appreciated, loved, and needed men are as fathers. At a time when we don't exactly understand that necessarily. Join me today on Trending is Hugh Brown from American Life League. And I was just looking, Hugh, at a recent study that came out from Communio. They really linked the decline in Christianity to the lack of what they call resident fathers. That is, fathers who are present in the home. They did a great job on the study. Over 19,000 people who were uh, involved in the study, 112 churches across the country, multiple denominations, Catholic, Protestant, Evangelical, you name it, even crossing over different cultural barriers and languages, Spanish, Vietnamese, and others. And what was fascinating to me about this is that they showed this connection where there's a decline, my daughter's coming to say hello, (laughs) there's a decline in resident fatherhood and how this is directly connected to the fact that there are statistics showing you that half of all young adults today have said that they did not have a continuous uh, married present of their parents in their childhood home. So parent was always missing, marriage fell apart. But what was fascinating in the study was that for those who are going to church today, Eight out of 10 people who go to church in that under-30 demographic said that they came from a married home where their parents had an intact marriage. I thought that was astounding to see the connection between Christianity, the presence of the Father, and the continuation of going to church. Hugh, welcome to Trending. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this.
1: Yeah, thank you, Timmy. It's always great to speak with you. Just listening to what you just described, I think what that study also does is it proves the existence of grace, right? As Catholics, mm-hmm. as Christians, one of the things we understand that the grace of God, you know, the favor of God comes from serving him. It doesn't mean that our life is going to be any easier or any better than anyone else else's. It doesn't mean we're not going to struggle. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have hard times. It doesn't mean we're going to suffer hardships and difficulties and loss and catastrophic things that our families have to deal with. But the grace of God is there for those that love and fear him. And the best way to do that in the family, the best way to do that as men, as fathers, is to be present. So what that study shows to me is the presence of grace, right? The presence of grace allows us to to work, to suffer, to be there for one another, to have a family that you know, that bonds together, a family that that works together, a family that grows together, a family that supports one another, a family that overcomes all the difficulties and challenges of this culture. I mean, you and I have talked many times about just the insanity of the hour that we live in. Many of these things weren't present just a few short years ago, and, and the vast majority of them didn't, weren't even, you know, even thought of, you know, is as far back as maybe 10 or 12 years ago because they were sinful right? And Mm -hmm. sin is being embraced. And that is also an attempt to destroy the family. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you talked or I heard a a conversation just when your show began about what's happening in California in trying to take children away from families. That's the intent, right? If Mm -hmm. you want to break Christianity, if you want to break a nation, right? If you want to break faithful homes, and I would imagine it applies to other faiths as well, destroy the family, so that just speaks to the absolute critical importance of men being men, of husbands being husbands, and fathers being fathers. You know, we 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 have to realize and understand it's not about us, right? Life's mm-hmm. here and gone in a blink. And in that time, our accountability is the love and commitment to our family.
0: Mm, and that is so significant to see that purpose and that I think is so fundamental for men to hear their role. I was looking at some of these polls and pieces of information that came from the New Communio study, and it said 9 out of 10 men who are between the ages of 25 and 29 who are single— had continuously married parents if they were at church. So, if you are single, ladies, and you're looking for a man to date, a man to marry, well, the good men are at church between that age range of 25 and 29. And keep going. Try different churches if you have to. You know, I was even just thinking, I have uh, at our parish, there are a lot of young and should I see a ringless looking single men. And I'm just about ready to start asking, okay, how old are you and are you dating anyone? And I'm sorry if this is awkward. I'm just just keeping a little tally, a little list here of anyone I know who could be properly matched up because I get it. People are lonely. The Part of the study was emphasizing the loneliness epidemic that is occurring today. And there are a lot of I think predictions out there that are merited, based on research, that we're going to see by 2045 that the predominant uh, practice with regard to religion will be no practice, that it will be predominantly nuns, that is, those are people who identify with no religion whatsoever, not even necessarily agnostic or atheist. And it's interesting because you see a surging number of people under the age of 30 who are leaving Christianity completely. So, I have some questions for you because if we see there's a direct connection between fathers and people going to church, between fathers being present in the home and the practice of Christianity, what does it mean to be a present father if you are going to be a father?
1: So, it means everything right? I mean, it is our purpose. It's the intention that we were given. It is exactly why we exist. When we find that person and we ask that person to be our spouse and we bring life into this world, they call it procreation for a a reason. It takes a man, a woman, and then the soul. It takes Almighty God, the creation of something unique, something special, something beautiful, something that's a miracle. And that is our purpose. And as men... You know, the, the world absolutely dominates, you know, our thoughts at times or, or trying to influence who we are with, uh, with sexuality, with, with violence, with all, with distractions, with, with entertainment that's essentially immoral of things that just really want to get us away from who the Lord intends us to be. Right? It's part of our DNA, right? It's part of our fallen nature. Our fallen nature can be attracted to those things, but when we make that commitment, when we make that commitment, it's a commitment not not to your wife, right? I mean, she's secondary in that regard. The commitment is to God, right? I know young men uh, that I work with and talk to now uh, that have families that aren't married, and I tell them, listen, that it absolutely, you have a responsibility to to your family, yes, but to Almighty God. And you've got to do things the right way. Otherwise, the grace of Almighty God, what the Lord intends for your life, will not materialize. Right? You're going to struggle. He's going to be there for you. Things are going to go as you intend, not as the Lord intends. Because the Lord has given us opportunities. And the Lord, as men and fathers, has given us the greatest of responsibilities. And that's to care for our families. And to be present means that they come first. And that means you have to die to yourself. And that's hard for us to do. You know, we're macho, we're tough. But you know what? The greatest toughness is loving your family. The greatest toughness is being there for them. The greatest toughness is being able to do the things you don't want to do. The greatest toughness is praying with your family. That's advice I give to men. I'm not going to say every day, but at least weekly, I'm saying that to somebody. They're telling me about things they're going through with teenage sons, 20-year-old sons, um, struggles with their wife. And My first question in love and humility is, you know, when's the last time you prayed together? well, we don't Mm -hmm. do that. Well, that's where it all starts, right? It all Mm -hmm. starts right there. Ask God, because God will sort everything out. And I also would say this about the comment about by 2049 that the vast majority of the country is not going to believe in anything. I don't believe that because I Mm -hmm. think, maybe according to statistics, but as human beings, we have spirits, right? And our spirits, the Holy Spirit, if we invite him into our hearts is alive. And it just takes that spark. And I think our desire... And our absolute just hunger for the truth that's written onto all of our hearts is always present, and God is just right there. And that I think that's going to come alive in this country because the things that we're bombarded with the media are essentially evil, right? Which mm-hmm. sin now is supposed to be okay, and we're bigoted if we oppose it. No, it's sin. It's evil. It's destructive. It, it's it's horrible, and we have to oppose it. And that type of of approach and that type of unity and that type of, of strength will allow God to not just work through us, but be the example that helps other people realize that there's more to this than just ourself, right? And that's what being a father is. It's got nothing to do with you, right? Being a husband, Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with you. It's everything about them, right? They come first in everything. And that doesn't mean we're spoiling people rotten. It doesn't mean that we're setting bad examples. It just means that we love our family. You know, our, our football program uh, adopted, thanks to one of my coaches, the uh, the motto that, that I learned from my dad when I was a kid. It didn't matter what was happening. My dad always said, love your family, mm-hmm. love your family. And, well, we, this one is, I don't like this one, and this one is making all these horrible decisions. My father would say, love your family. And when you can love your family, pray with your family, be with your family, be that witness for your family. I think I might've said to you before when, we were going through uh, uh, the pre Cana classes when my wife and I were like 20 or however old we were. You know, uh, the priest uh, still knows me to this day. I just talked to him last weekend. He said, Oh, and he's known me, know me since I was a kid, a good Irishman. He said, Oh, Hugh, you know, by the time you're married 15 years, you're no longer going to be, be nice to your wife. You're no longer going to hold the door open for her. And that stuck with me. And I'm sure he, he's the smartest guy I ever met. That, that had intention. Because everywhere we've gone for 35 years, I always mm-hmm. think about opening the door for my wife. I always think about doing whatever it is necessary to make sure she's good. She has what she needs. That I'm, you know, being a, a great witness in front of my children, in front of whoever, because I love her, and that you know those little things matter. And as men, that's the attitude we have to take. And when it becomes about us, we're selfish, or we're lusting after other women, or we're lusting after money, or we're getting caught up in alcohol or drugs or bad habits or things on the internet or television that we're inviting into our home and demonically influencing our family, whether we mm-hmm. realize it or not, right. we are being selfish and we are not just not serving our family, but we're breaking that covenant with God. You know, we made a commitment, mm-hmm. married, married before Him, that we will serve Him. And that means we've got to just do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the great, what I love about being Catholic. I think I said to you earlier in an email, I was able to go to confession today and the
2: Praise priest you.
1: mentioned St. Joseph. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, based on the email I got from you later, it's perfect timing because that, St. Joseph is the perfect example of a man who gave up everything to take care of the Son of God and a woman that he truly loved. And it's a wonderful example for all of us.
0: I appreciate how fundamental it is that you recognize grace is at the core of what it means to be a present father and even you know making the glue be there in your marriage. That's grace. That's a sacrament. And I'm fascinated as we see, you know, even you talking about how you, know, you choose to honor your wife. You still hear the words of that priest who took you through that pre-Cana and preparing you to be married so that you love and have that sense of responsibility still. And it's interesting because I'm watching a lot of men who uh, have over the last 10 to 15 years, in my own life even, uh, kind of struggled, right? Struggled. I can think of a handful who've, you know, hung out in unemployment, maybe traveled the world, or some who have just been living at home for a really long time, uh, not, you know, making choices and decisions moving forward. And it's interesting because I find them go from leaving a faith, rejecting faith, criticizing faith, you know, identifying with that group of nuns to, you know, often many of them connected with fatherlessness or multiple divorces in their family. And then part of that identity of not identifying with any religion leads them to a search. I think it's a journey. So when someone's identifying as non religious, I really do think it's a journey hue And I keep thinking of St. Augustine. You mentioned earlier, you know, you don't buy that by 2045 there will be a predominant religion of, no religion at all. I think of St. Augustine when you say that, that our souls are restless until they rest in you, O Lord. You know, kind of paraphrasing what he said. And I think that a lot of people eventually say, you know what, I do want to get married. And so they're trying to find a spouse, they get married, and they're trying to figure out, well, what does this whole Christianity thing mean? What does it mean to be a father? And it's hard work. And so I think this question of what does it mean to be a father, and I think that's why Blake Lively's you know commending her husband, Ryan Reynolds, why this video from November of last year went viral is because people need to hear the demands needed by his family, appreciated, loved, and needed, and how fundamental that is. For those who, and there are large many who are under the age of 30 today, Hugh, who are stepping out of the dating game, why should young men get married and have families? What can we say to young men? You work, you coach young men, you found to school, you work with a family and life issue. What's compelling? What's intriguing to them on this front?
1: Purpose, right? We have to have purpose. So football gives us a purpose. I say that to, to the young men and the coaches, the men and the families, the, the, the moms, the sisters, the girlfriends that I work with every time that I see them, right? Football is the vehicle but Christ is the destination. And this program has been successful because we put God first. Uh, We've won state championships, we've lost state championships. We've had high highs, we've had low lows. But at the end of the day, we know that we serve a loving and caring and mighty God. And by putting him first, all of those successes, all of those accomplishments, all of the blessings allow us to praise God, to bring people to Christ. That is the purpose. Right? And I think without that purpose, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, at least about that. Um, it's been blessed because we're serving the Lord. So I can use that as an example to say, in marriage, it's the same thing. I was able to speak at the men's march in Albany, New York recently. And there was a gentleman who spoke, and I can't think of his name, uh, who talked about when he was 17, 18, that women were just conquests. Maybe he mm-hmm. was twenty, and he had had a whole list of conquests, and he paid for a young woman to have an abortion,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it, it really, as he got older, it really just ripped his soul to pieces. And so, for young men in the culture we live in, uh, I, my sons and I talk about it all the time. There's there's the hookup culture. There's the, the the term body count. How many how many girls have you slept with? You know that's a that's a badge of honor, but it's mm-hmm. not right. It, it's soulless. It it is actually it's absolutely taking our purpose and our meaning. It might be satisfying in that particular moment, but the spiritual destruction, right? The the emotional destruction, the the destruction of who we are as people, the the objectifying another person is just an object for your pleasure. Who's somebody's she's somebody's daughter, right? She's somebody's sister. There's nothing, there's nothing to be gained from that. And in marriage, what we find is our purpose because the family is the root of existence. Without the family, you and I aren't here right now. We're not talking. Without the family, there is no church, right? And so the, the purpose of marriage, the purpose of, of having children is, is family. I mean, it is purpose. It, it defines everything. You're not going to see that when you're 17. But planting those seeds, you know, for, for, in terms of examples, allows that to blossom, allows that to take root. And allows young men and young women as they get older, hopefully in their 20s, to realize that my purpose is not me. You know. And in finding a spouse and in having a family, you're bringing life into the world and you find out exactly the meaning of life. And I was thinking when you were talking about Blake Lively, you know, my, my dad passed away in November of 2021. And some point late last year, it was just like around Christmas, maybe January of this year, something happened. Uh, I was watching something, probably, probably uh, something related to the sport, because my dad was always the guy that I would talk to. And I went to the phone to call him. I took two steps towards the phone. Mm-hmm. And that had not happened, right? He had been dead for 12, 13 months. And it just hit me, oh, my gosh, my dad's not there. And it literally broke me. Right, mm-hmm. it literally broke me. I mean, I was trying not to, to to tear up and cry. My wife came out and saw what I was dealing with, and she she put her arm on my shoulder and she said, "You know, your home is right here." And she was talking about her. Right, your home is right here, and that's what marriage is. She had no idea what I was dealing with at that particular moment. She did, but she knew she knew how did she know because that connection of grace that connection of husband and wife that understanding that oh my gosh i know exactly what my wife is dealing with or i know exactly what my husband is, is dealing with that's the holy spirit that's the connection that's the grace we receive in putting god in the center of our lives and not ourselves and that is worth everything it is worth eternity it's what we're going to be judged by it's not how successful was our radio show, how successful was our football team, how successful was our high school. God could care less about that. How did we love our families? How did we handle adversity? How did we handle the situations where sin was present? we trusted him, we overcame it. And most importantly for men and Catholics as a Catholic, I can tell you, I take advantage of it almost almost every other week now where I go to confession because we fail, we make mistakes. And the grace that we get from asking God for forgiveness, which is in the Bible, who whose sins are forgiven are forgiven and whose sins are retained are retained. It's scriptural for those in our Catholic that ask me about it. Um, th- there's no greater, I think, thing in the world than to know that God loves us so much no matter what we've done. He's willing to forgive us, to allow us to be better, not just for ourselves. To me, the purpose of, of confession, yes, my soul matters, but I love my family more. I mean, I, yes, I care about my soul, but my responsibility is my wife and my children and all the people that I, hopefully I'm influencing positively, and that is what God is going to hold me accountable to. And if I can go somewhere and get right and be better and feel like feeling, you, you understand it, Timory, because yes, you're Catholic. Catholic. You come out of there, you can't describe the feeling,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? There's and it, it's just accountability
0: and grace all wrapped absolutely. in one. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And to me, it makes us better so we can be witnesses to other people and overcome ourselves. Because my sins, I'll tell you, are just because I'm an idiot. And so you've got to just overcome those things, realize that, trust in the Lord, and get better and better and better and better and better. And it's not for us it's for everybody around us. And that's the purpose of marriage, right? That's the purpose of being a father. That's the purpose of doing it the right way Mm -hmm. of asking the person you care most about to marry you. And then being married before the Lord, the Lord Mm -hmm. has got to be in that covenant. Otherwise Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not a covenant. It's just a thing. So it's got to be before the Lord. And that's to, to me, it's Mm -hmm. everything.
0: What does it take to stay married? Because I think that's at the crisis. So people are saying, okay, I'll get married, but how do you stay married? I think that's the challenge. Yep.
1: And to my answer, Timree, um, it's faithfulness. You stay married by faithfulness. You you trust one another. You work through difficulties. You don't quit, right? You don't give up. You don't let your sins or your obsessions or your uh, whatever it is, your, your lusts, meaning money or perversion, or my wife's not attractive anymore, or we're not you know, having... Relations and whatever. No, you you have made a commitment and you've got to work together and love her unconditionally. That's how you stay married. And when you don't know how, you turn to the Lord and the Holy Spirit will lead you, right? And then you've got to look in a mirror and say, it's not about me. Because when you make it about you, you're going to get divorced because you're selfish and you make horrible decisions. And you the, the wake that you leave with a wife and children is 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 unimaginable. So you've got to work through those things and die to yourself. That's how you stay married.
0: That's what's biblical. That's what Ephesians chapter 5 dives into. That's what St. Paul challenges Christian husbands in imitation of Christ. And that was bloody, bloody, bruised, and crucified on the cross. That's Hugh Brown from American Life League. You can find him at ALL.org. That's ALL.org. Doing incredible work on the front of protecting family and protecting human life. I'll be right back today on Trending to talk about the pill and its correlation with cancer and more. You're listening to Trending with Timree, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. I received a lot of questions recently about the connection between the pill and cancer. A, As I was told by someone the other day, a simple Google search, if you type it in on Google, does the pill cause cancer, is interesting. It says this. It's kind of, you know, when you Google something at the very top, they try to give you the answer. And this is from the National Cancer Institute. They pull this little paragraph and throw it up there. So here's a question. Does the pill cause cancer? Well, this is what Google says from the National Cancer Institute. Overall, however, these studies have provided consistent evidence that the risk of breast and cervical cancer are increased in women who use oral contraceptives, whereas the risk of endometrial, ovarian, and other types of cancer are reduced. So what they say is, yes, okay, cervical cancer and breast cancer are, there's evidence there that there's an increase in women who take oral contraceptives. However, there's a less likelihood that you'll have endometrial or ovarian cancer among others. So it kind of tries to skirt around the issue. I want to give you some of the data here on the truth about the connection between the pill and cancer. So I grew up in the pro-life movement. My mom was highly involved at a very high level in pro-life work. And I remember being in a conference once where Dr. Angela Lanfranchi was giving a presentation. Now, Dr. Angela Lanfranchi got... God rest her soul in peace. Uh, She is now deceased. However, at the time, I think I was about 13 years old, she was a breast surgical oncologist and the director of a leading Steel Chase Cancer Center in New Jersey. She also was head over the Breast Cancer Prevention Institute. And I will never forget, she began her presentation sharing that during the course of her career she alone had cut off the breasts over 10,000 women at that time and she continued to do work for a number of years beyond that and that was just in her little area her little cor- corner of the world of new jersey she said this if men were at risk i'll never forget it she said if men were at risk of having their testicles cut off at the same rate women have their breasts cut off Men would never in a million years do anything to pose such a risk of having their testicles cut off. Yet this is what our society says is okay. This is what men encourage to be done with the use of hormonal contraception. She went on to explain the connection between not only hormonal contraceptives and breast cancer, but also the connection between abortion and breast cancer much to be discussed here on this topic that needs to be laid out. I'm going to table the conversation about the link between abortion and breast cancer for just a moment, uh, or for today, but I'll briefly say this if you didn't know about the connection between the two. When a woman gets pregnant, her chest gets larger, correct? Well, what's happening is An increase in breast tissue occurs. That increase in breast tissue occurs in the earlier stages of pregnancy, and those breast tissues are called type 1 and 2 lobules. Type 1 and 2 lobules are cancer vulnerable. Through the course of a pregnancy, as the breast tissue matures, preparing for nursing, the breast tissue transitions into type 3 and 4 lobules. Type 3 and 4 lobules are cancer resistant. But if you end the pregnancy in the middle, there's a high number of type 1 and 2 breast tissue lobules that are cancer vulnerable. And so when the pregnancy is stopped in the middle, early, when there's that increased high volume of cancer vulnerable tissue, a woman is left with that cancer vulnerable tissue unless perhaps another pregnancy down the road occurs and she sees that pregnancy to completion giving birth to a baby. So that is very important that we see that connection with with abortion breast cancer. But what I want to talk about today is the pill and breast cancer. So Dr. Angela and Frankie, I remember her voice was quivering. There were tears in her eyes. She was so angry as she went on to explain that the leading cause of breast cancer in our society today and other cancers are due to Hormonal oral contraceptives, and not just oral contraceptives, but also implants and other types of uh, implanted contraceptives that actually have hormones in them synthetic hormones of estrogen and progesterone. So, here's the dirty little secret that people don't like to talk about, but I think people actually do know now the pill, hormonal contraception. We talked about this last week with Dr. Susan Caldwell. The pill is a cancer-causing carcinogen. I'm going to link to my episode on Friday that I did with Dr. Susan Caldwell because we gave you a list of things to say to your doctors, especially if it's a Catholic or Christian doctor, if that doctor is still prescribing birth control as to why they should not prescribe birth control with sound medical data and arguments. But here's the deal. There is significant connection between breast cancer and oral contraceptives. The two leading ingredients in hormonal contraceptives include synthetic forms of estrogen and progesterone in their various names. Now, here are just some of the places for well over 15 and 20 years that have been noting the l- direct link between oral contraceptive use and other types of contraception. Even they have labeled hormonal replacement therapy as part of the increase in breast cancer. Why is that significant? Because there is a whole slew of people across this nation who are going through, quote, hormonal replacement therapy, boys and girls. This is part of the whole gender crisis and increased risk in cancer that no one's talking about. So lump that into this whole debate but I thought we were just talking about how you wanted to identify and whether or not you had a right to do what you wanted with your body. No, this whole conversation is about the serious medical health risks that are occurring when we take the proper orientation of our bodies, a male and female, and what is a result of intimacy? That is a baby, and we try to stop it, thwart it, or destroy it, or treat our bodies as a disease. So here are some of the Again, this is just a short form list of various groups that recognize the relationship between the pill and cancer. They specifically call the estrogen and progesterone in contraception group one carcinogens. What are those? Those are leading things in society recognized today as cancer causing agents. This is recognized by the UN. The Cancer Research Center in the UK says breast cancer is more com- common among women who take hormonal replacement therapy in the pill for long periods. Sound like anyone? Majority of people and now the transgender push as well. The Journal of National Cancer Institute said, and this is years ago, oral, contraception, oral contraceptive use has been associated with an increase in the risk of breast cancer in young women. In 2009, or sorry, 2011, even the USA Today reported breast cancer cases from 1980 and how they had increased between 1980 and 2010. And they linked, looking at the University of Washington's research, that all of this time, the link between birth control pills as group one carcinogens, and it highlighted them in the USA Today in 2011, the significantly increased breast use and risk between contraception use and breast cancer. Did you know that even WebMD has historically linked the fact that long-term use, they say, quote, of combined estrogen and progesterone is a cancer-causing risk factor. They've used this. I don't know if they've changed that more recently. Last time I checked, that was still there. I don't know if pharmaceutical companies selling One of the largest selling drugs out there today have gotten them to remove this, but that's been there in years past. In 2003, Columbia University did a study, the National Institute of Environmental Health Science, and added an estrogen to its list of known cancer-causing agents, the estrogen seen in oral contraception. Even if you look at the work from the Breast Cancer Prevention Institute, where Dr. Angela and Franchi and Joel and Dr. Joel Brind had worked it together, and by the way, that's still on WebMD and just confirmed. But there, at the Breast Cancer Institute, Dr. Lauren Franchi and Dr. Brind had worked to show how, basically, they note that when there are elevated levels of estrogen in a woman, that leads her to have a higher risk of hormonal consciousness or to have higher risk of breast cancer and even other forms of cancer as well. It's interesting because let's talk about other forms of cancer for just a moment. Time Health and Family released a study titled a curious link, get this, a curious link between birth control pills and prostate cancer. Hold on, Timory. Men don't take birth control pills. Oh, no, they don't. However, it is in our drinking water. And we've talked about this before. And by the way, if you're someone like me who says, I don't want all these hormones in my water, what do I do? This is why I personally, and this is, not, I'm not selling anything here. I have no association with them. It's why I use a Berkey water filter. It's one of the filters. There may be others. If you know of others, I would love to hear about them that help in removing some of the hormones that are in our water because we were with another doctor just a few weeks ago here on Trending, and he, I'm his name's evading me, Dr. John Bruchowski. That's it. And Dr. John Bruchowski was sharing with us that there's information now with the increase of the use of the chemical pill for abortion the chemical abortion pill that those are mifepristone is a endocrine disruptor and that with that we're seeing increase in cancer as well and then all of these all of these hormones all of these endocrine disruptors from the chemical pill the abortion pill are also in our drinking water as well it's frightening. So why is it that years ago, Time Health and Family released a study titled "A Curious Link Between Birth Control Pills and Prostate Cancer"? Because the excess of the pills that are both urinated that are essentially urinated out from women are in our drinking water, in our sewer systems, in the groundwater. At a conference on breast cancer in Toronto in 1998. The author of a cancer study, Dr. Susan Love, said that pollutants in meta- in are metabolized in our body as estrogen. And she said it's a lifetime exposure to estrogens today that have increased world cancer rates by this, 26% since 1980. This was her presenting back in 1998 at a breast cancer conference in Toronto. She said, we live in a toxic, soup of chemicals. Why? Well, because we're overexposed to synthetic hormones like estrogen because we are flushing hormonal contraceptives that are in excess when used and sloughed off by the body. Now, all of this is linking the fact that there's an increase in breast cancer and other forms of cancer. But why for men? Because men are drinking it in their drinking water. Men are bathing in it in their baths. I mean, if you think about it, that's why they, people are buying filters their homes to clean up the water they're bathing in. Remember, our skin's our largest organ of our body. And if you look at some of the fish studies that are absolutely riveting, you have studies from all over the world on this, looking at various rivers such as the Potomac the Pot- Conservatory as well. In D.C., you have the Colorado River, You have rivers all over the world, lakes where they're actually looking at this. And researchers have discovered that fish, male and female, are being impacted. Researchers have discovered male fish become more feminized when exposed to all of these hormones, especially estrogen. There's even in this chronic exposure of estrogen, we're seeing in various lakes that it's decreasing minnow populations. It's leading to fewer larger fish, especially the pearl dace and lake trout. It's insane to see what's happening. So the feminization of male fish, we're also seeing multiple generations of fertility problems for fish as well because of the exposure to estrogen, along with problems with cancer in fish and generational issues with cancer in fish. This is not just fringe data. It's out there, it's just whether or not it's being exposed and discussed as often, and how many journals are actually willing to cover this. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reported, even a handful of years ago, various information about ambiguous gender in 85% of catfish caught in Ohio, in Ohio rivers. Hey, This is astounding that's almost 9 out of 10 catfish showing ambiguous gender genitalia and the connection between overexposure to estrogen and also that they've produced very aggressive cancer growth in these same exact fish. So what does this all have to do with? It has to do with the gender crisis in our culture. It has to do with the increase in breast cancer and other types of cancer as well. Even men today are being diagnosed with breast cancer too. Why? Because of all of the endocrine descriptors, because of the hormones in our drinking water. It isn't far-fetched, not to mention all the women who are taking the oral contraceptives as well. So it's important that we see and highlight these links. Now, I do want to note just briefly, because I mentioned, if you do a simple Google search saying, does the pill cause cancer, there's all kinds of data trying to say otherwise this is why you also shouldn't use Google as your primary search engine. You need to dig a little deeper, look the research, look at the methods of the research. They claim on this Google search, the first kind of piece of information given to you, that the risks of endometrial and ovarian cancer decrease with taking oral contraceptives. Why is that the case? There's a lot to be said that we could discuss with the rise of polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, and other serious health issues. But here's the deal. When PCOS and endometriosis go untreated, they can often lead to cancer. Now, many doctors today just try to give women birth control to treat those without actually treating them. It's just a Band-Aid. And so Hormones do impact hormones. In some ways, we have seen that they've influenced when you take hormonal birth control, endometrial uh, concerns, especially endometriosis and PCOS. But it's not a solution to everything. It may decrease potentially in some cases uh, cancer, but it doesn't decrease all the other symptoms. And true, authentic care of proper hormones for women who have endometriosis and PCOS would also eliminate Having cancer down the road, but would also eliminate a whole slew of other medical conditions surrounding PCOS and endometriosis, such as the desire to have babies. If you take birth control and you have PCOS or endometriosis, it can make it next to impossible at times for many women down the road to ever have children. And it can also lead to increase in cancer in those areas. So don't believe all the data when you do a simple Google search. There's a lot of data out there from anywhere from the UN, the UK, Canada, and it's been out there for years, showing the clear link between breast cancer, other forms of cancer, and oral contraceptives. I'll be right back on Trending to talk about what's happening in the nation, especially California right now, trying to take children away from parents if you don't cave to the transgender ideology in your child. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. It's very clear today that Americans are not okay with the transgender agenda, but the corporate world, the media, and politicians try to make it seem as if everyone is pro-transgender. And when I say the corporate world, I really do mean the corporate world. The number of places that have rainbow flags, among other things, hanging and dawning everywhere. It's incredible. And being here in Southern California, I know we see it more. I would be interested to see if you think you're finding it less at restaurants and other places right now. Because guess what? You're finding it a whole lot less in Major League Baseball, in the National Hockey League, even, get this, of all places, Reports are coming out from employees of Starbucks that they're being told to not put up all the pride decorations this year. Target, Bud Light, Dodgers, and many other groups are seeing that people are essentially voting with their money. And when I say voting with their money, they're telling something. They're saying what they will and will not support. Fewer people are shopping at Target Bud Light, and many people are boycotting even places such as Dodger Stadium. By the way, prayers for all of those people. I know Bishop Strickland and others will be out in a Eucharistic procession around Dodger Stadium this Friday when the so-called group Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, there's a group of sisters who, they're not sisters, they're cross-dressers who are pedophiles, and they do scandalous things in churches and mock the Catholic faith with their attire and activities. They're going to be at that Dodger Stadium honored by the Dodgers along with the mayor of Anaheim honoring them this month. So, uh, the Bishop Strickland and others will be there actually praying a Eucharistic procession in the month of the Sacred Heart, the month dedicated to the Eucharist right after the Feast of Corpus Christi. Uh, my mom and I know others will be there as well. Uh, we need to pray for protection for those people. I do appreciate that we're seeing our Lord reign on the streets of Los Angeles and that we're seeing all these people speak out and who are traveling to go to take a stand to say we don't mock pe- we don't mock religion and we don't scandalize children and enough of this pride parade. You know, people, Starbucks, Target, Bud Light, MLB, are making some shifts. Perfectly? Absolutely not. But are they making some shifts and declining how much content they push on the pride front? Yes. Is it enough? No. But it's a start because the American people are saying we are not okay with this. A study, and we'll talk about this later this week, a study came out that I think about seven out of 10 people believe that you should play on a sports team that aligns with your biological reality not having to do with how you identify or feel at the time. Now, all of this is significant because the world is showing that this pro-transgender agenda isn't what the people believe, even though the media and politicians and corporate America are trying to say otherwise. Out-of-touch politicians just aren't getting it. And I pray, and I hope you will pray that this is a fight that we engage in here in California and in your state as well, because it's raging across the country. Here's what's happening in California right now if you've not been following it. Essentially, parents are going to be accused of child abuse and be at risk of losing their children in the state of California if this current bill, Assembly Bill 957, passes and makes its way all the way to the governor's desk. It's currently in the state senate here in California. We need a no vote, and here's why. Because if this passes, they're trying to claim that it has to do with welfare cases and custody cases, uh, specifically custody cases, that essentially it would be child abuse if you don't affirm and even transition a child who's struggling with confidence in their biological sex, because that's what it is. Children struggle with confidence in their biological sex. I have a two-year-old, and she keeps asking questions about whether or not she's a boy or a girl, or she says that her little sister is a girl, and then she laughs and says, no, she's a boy, and she laughs, and then she asks why daddy's a boy or a girl. Kids don't know. They don't know the difference, but what they do know is when you tell them reality, know you're a girl. Why? Because you have girl body parts. This is why I've shared. I've taught my child, my two-year-old, body parts. It's a little uh, startling to some people uh, when they hear a child using those words, but it's important to protect them against abuse, sexual abuse, especially in a culture of pornography and where pro-LGBTQ groups are being praised. And so that they can know biological reality, name things before someone makes contact with them in a way that they shouldn't. When kids know those words, they can ward off offenders. And this is all significant because if the California legislator, and I hope you'll check out the information to contact your senator uh, to really defeat this bill, Assembly Bill 957, if this passes all the way through to the governor's desk where the governor will sign this into law, We will see that this is false advertising. They're claiming the people who are pushing forward this bill that this would only be in the case of custody cases, that children would be taken away or side with a particular parent who affirms a transition rather than unaffirms a transition. No. If you look at the data, there's a very vague language in the coding, especially having to do with welfare codes in child protective service cases. Here's the deal. This is a direct assault against parents' authority, against biology, and against a God-given identity, the blueprint for the human person that was written by God, not you and I, and not by a child who is lacking confidence in his or her biological sex because society says everything's purple. There's no such thing as blue or pink. There's no such thing as a male or female. And so we need to push back against this. You need to fight in your state. Know what's happening in your state. Do you know, have you contacted your state legislators? Because we need to be contacting them to say no to horrible cases such as these where out-of-touch politicians who are following corporate America in the media Not what the majority of Americans believe about gender. And when I say majority of Americans, I'm saying Americans on both sides of the political spectrum, religious or not, they don't think this transgender agenda is okay. And we need to tell that truth to our politicians and hold them accountable. Because when they hear from us, did you know that contacting, calling, and writing, especially calling your state assemblymen your state senators is even more impactful on them often than the vote itself because you're actually directly communicating to them and saying i'm your constituent i'm voting for you or not voting for you and i'm asking you to stand for what's important and i stand for all of these other thousands and millions of catholics in my area with regard to the reality of male and female we will win if we follow god's plan for the human person and say it out loud dating, marriage, relationships. So many questions. This is Timree from Trending with Timree. Thursday is our weekly marriage hour and we'll do anything and everything from taking your questions on dating, marriage, relationships, including experts in all areas of relationships to long-term marriage. We'll also dive into some of the most important topics confronting how to find true love today. So join me Thursday at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.